So Shannon wanted to hear more thoughts, not just on Liberty football, and we opined on Jamie Chabwell and how harsh he was about the team's victory against Louisiana Tech, and we'll get more into what that means for the Old Dominion game on Saturday in our thoughts tomorrow in the fast lane, plus Oliver Hodgkinson of College Football Network and Dave Walls of ABC 13 WSET both slated to join us. But there are a couple points, one on Liberty football, one on Liberty basketball that we want to get to. Shannon on Liberty Basketball, and we'll get to this one fairly quick. Um, looking at their matchup against Charlotte tomorrow, and part of that event that we are helping partner to promote, featuring Liberty, Virginia, and Virginia Tech down in Charlotte tomorrow uh, in the tip-off event they have. Um, who will score first in the first seven minutes for Liberty, which looked like a post-Darius McGee hangover, is what Shannon wanted us to at least opine on. I don't at all dispute that. I'm not surprised by that for Liberty. Um, it was Mid-Atlantic Christian, too, where you could afford to take the time to frankly feel out where your team was. It will need to be addressed much more expeditiously and firmly against Charlotte tomorrow to have a chance to win because while Ron Sanchez just left Charlotte to go to Virginia, and I think we're starting to see it a lot of group of five programs, that it's really difficult to sustain talent. I mean, heck, Charlotte, you develop talent, then they hit the transfer portal and go somewhere else. It can be very frustrating. Um, and and I, I put Blake Preston out to a certain extent at Liberty because you're pitching a different mission and mindset. And to get to that point, you have to go through a, a campus where it's a different environment. But that is going to be the reality for a lot of those teams. But for Liberty, I don't think there are a lack of scoring options with Colin Porter, with Shiloh Robinson and Kyle Rode down low. With Brody Peoples, who looked like he could step up. Zach Cleveland had double figures last night. I think there are bodies there. But I think the real question also is, is when you need a bucket, where do you turn if you're Liberty? And that's the bigger question that probably jumps out in, in terms of what the future might hold for Liberty. Ben chimed in, by the way, on the topic we've mentioned with Liberty and their scheduling challenges and football, as well as the difficulty of them getting put into the college football playoff rankings. And... A step further, the unlikely scenario that Liberty gets into the playoff because of that. It's ultimately Liberty's destiny to go to the Big 12. High scoring, compete against... That's bold. It's bold, but I don't think it's far-fetched. It will, hold up, hold up. Before before you interrupt, Trey, with your opinions, okay. you can you can override mine. I'll get to mine in a moment. But let's let our listeners at least I want to hear it. Right. I want to hear it. I, I like this. I like this, by the way. Liberty's destiny is the Big 12. High scoring, as we've seen with Liberty much of the year. Competing against BYU in a conference. And Ian McCaw's background being in the Big 12. In fact, you could say it's predestined. By the way, I love the thinking there from Ben. Trey, you have opinions and think it's far-fetched that Liberty could go to the Big 12. And that, that might be the ultimate antidote to the difficulty they're dealing with right now, which is being ranked in the college football playoff rankings, which, by the way, I think it's going to carry over to next year before that schedule really firms up starting in 2025. Although next year, featuring App State, and I think Old Dominion's on it as well, will be more strong. Uh, it's a couple years away from it really getting to where it can be as beefy as possible. Yeah, I just think there's a probable, like, probable progression when it comes to these things. Look at that word. Um probable progression yes like you go from a b to c like you go from the bottom group of five league to the next tier of the group of five league like you get your drake on you started from the bottom yes so i think 
being realistic, like if the Big 12 wants to expand, like I think the Big 12 is full. Like the only w- way I would see it expand is it gets a, a Boise State, a San Diego State, uh, you know, it works more west than it works east. Um, but I think a place where if they went undefeated into this conference and would be ranked is the Sun Belt. To me, that's way more likely than the Big 12. I mean, it's far-fetched, and it would be cool if Liberty got into the Big 12, but I think we have to be realistic and just, like, what's more likely to happen? Liberty, like, the Big 12 grabs, let's say, James Madison. Well, that's not probably... Grabs, like, Old Dominion. I would see that. Like, more of an established team in, in the in the top tier of a, you know, or an AAC, another AAC, like UTSA. And then this kind of movement happens again. That's where I would see it. Like, it's going to come from the AAC and the Sun Belt, and then the those two leagues are going to take from CUSA, kind of like what we saw here. So this is a topic that's not going to go away anytime soon. I mean, it's the beauty of realignment is because it's it's there will be more shifts taking place. Like, what Here's, if Memphis and UTSA go from, like, I could see a scenario where, like, Memphis. I think Memphis UT, will be the next logical U, grab for the UTS, Big 12. Memphis, UTSA, um, Tulane all go to the Big 12. Then then you get, like, that's when an opportunity would open for Liberty to go to an AAC. Or if they grab a Sunbelt team to replace them in the Sunbelt. Like, something like that. Here's the other thought to keep in mind. Liberty, one of the reasons why I think a lot of the Sun Belt did not want Liberty, and I get your geographic thought, although that doesn't make much, it uh, doesn't go in, into this nearly as much as it used to, the idea of geographical logic in these talks. But Liberty's ability to outspend the majority of their competitors in a conference scared off a lot of Sun Belt teams. Yes, we mentioned about their administrative challenges previously, and those are very real and worth acknowledging. But the ability to outspend your competitors by as much as Liberty can, I think genuinely scared away those teams. It's not going to scare away teams from the Big 12. TCU is in that conference. Plenty of money there. Baylor and BYU, we know the power of religious money in a conference. Both of them have that. Baylor, similar to Liberty and a Baptist. BYU, obviously, with the LDS connection that's for them. And there are other schools in that conference that also have that level of cachet. Texas Tech. Oklahoma State have both been big with the oil money business. Um, so it's there. That's where I could see Liberty going to the Big 12, making some level of sense. And I'll go a step further. Ian McCall's background, uh, you know, he was in the Big 12. He's familiar with that conference. I think most people acknowledge that he, he we've said this before, and I'll, I'll stand by this. When what happened under Art Bryles at Baylor took place, and you're the athletic director and it happens under your watch, you're going to take the fall for it. And that's part of the job, and you have to be held accountable when those things happen. And is Ian McCall at fault because of that? Yes. However, it is also much more on Art Bryles based on most people with whom I've even spoken in the college football insider landscape that, I mean, McCall has to take the heat, and he happened it happened under his watch, and you have to take accountability for it. Um, and I know he didn't comment much because a lot of it's been handled in the courts, and you can defer to your lawyers, and I, I get that. But... That, I think that all has to do with the fact of how he's perceived amongst Big 12 athletic directors in terms of his ability to work well with them and the fact that they would advocate for him. And believe it or not, I think that Liberty actually has a stronger national brand than a lot of the other schools. Memphis, 
I'll use the story about Memphis because I used it with John Calipari last year. Walking through Memphis. Sorry. Uh, we don't need your acapella tray. When John Calipari left Memphis to go to Kentucky, Memphis actually offered him more money. It was the prestige of Kentucky, which, let's be honest, is more prestigious. Well, they probably offered him a contract now in Kentucky that Memphis can't afford, just saying. I mean, I don't know if Kentucky wants John Calipari now. But anyway... That lifetime contract. Yeah, I think they might be regretting that. Buyer's remorse. But it was the same thing with Hugh Freeze. Liberty could offer money to keep Hugh Freeze. It's the SEC and a chance to win a championship, which was obviously much more available at Auburn than it was at Liberty. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. So, and granted, you could win a national title at Memphis. They almost did, even though the NCAA says it never happened. I saw it with my own eyes. But that's the other thing for Liberty. They have that financial resource. So it doesn't scare away a lot of teams. They've got a strong brand. They've done very well for all their flaws. They position themselves very strongly as a brand. And that's where I could see Ben Scenario making some level of complete sense. Not to mention the fact that the logical travel partner of West Virginia, boy, wouldn't that be a lot of fun. Talk about polar opposites in terms of their fan base. Actually similar. Passionate fans, but polar opposites in terms of, uh, how should we say this? How they handle a sporting game environment. That topic's not going away. Please feel free to keep sharing your thoughts on it. Tomorrow in the Fast Lane, we'll make our projections for the upcoming weekend and react to the two games this evening. Virginia Tech, Iowa, and UVA at Louisville. Both tomorrow in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.